Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from the Assistant Superintendent of the Minnesota District of the Assemblies of God and North Central Professor, Pastor Doug Graham, along with his beautiful wife, Vicki, who is the Executive Pastor of Ministry Operations at Cedar Valley Church, as they have a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you will hear the Grahams share their experience in raising their children to know Jesus by modeling this relationship first at home. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you guys so much for being willing to join me on the Bridging the Gap podcast. It's an honor to have you, Pastor Doug and Vicki Graham. It's just, um, I'm really excited to be able to chat about a topic that I know you guys have talked about publicly before. And, you know, when we're really looking at raising our kids, raising kids that love Jesus. And I can tell you as a mom of a almost two-year-old and then another one on the way here really soon. This is something I will lay awake at 2 a.m. thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm excited to get all of your wisdom and advice today. And I know a lot of other people listening are as well. But before we jump in, I would love if you guys could introduce yourselves a little bit of who you are, your family, and um, you're very involved in, you know, the district and at um, Cedar Valley, I believe it is. So would love to just hear more about that. Okay. Who wants to go first, dear? Go ahead, hon. <laughs> well, I'm Doug and uh, my wife, Vicki, we... We met in youth group. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord as a teenager and found myself and our family coming to the Assembly of God Church. And, uh, and so Vicki was in the youth group and it took, didn't take long, but we found each other. Um, and we found each other because of our, both of us sensing a call of God to go into vocational ministry and my youth pastor said, hey, there's a girl in the youth group that feels like she's called to be a pastor's wife involved in ministry. And, and of course, uh, that connection was made and we dated through high school and uh, went to school down in Missouri for a couple of years. And then we transferred to North Central and, and actually Vicki had to put me through. So she worked uh, at the school and she put me through and uh, we traveled. We went to North Dakota. We served as youth pastors there in Bismarck for about four years. And then our pastor that we worked for uh, made a church change and asked us to stay on his staff. And so we went with them to Wisconsin. We went to Kenosha and we served uh, in a different church, different position uh, there for three years. And then it was it was time for us to uh, branch out and pastor our own church. And so we moved to La Crosse, Wisconsin in 1993 and pastored the church there for 12 years. And then in 2005, the church in Bismarck that we started with asked us to consider coming back to be their lead pastor. And so that's what we did. We pastored, uh, there in Bismarck for nine years Hmm. and, um, all along the journey, I was pursuing my, you know, advanced uh, higher education, master's degree, finished a doctorate, and and then got an invitation to come to North Central to serve as the vice president for spiritual life. And uh, that decision was made, and we moved to Minneapolis, and, uh, you know, that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, and then along the way, got elected to be the assistant superintendent about four years ago. So working, personally, working with students and with local pastors is really uh, uh, the dream job for me and uh, so thrilled to do that. 
So that's just a little bit about like where we've been going up in the years. Vicki, maybe you can share a little bit about the family and how our kids came along. Yeah, uh, we have four kids, three sons and a daughter is our youngest. And we started our family with adoption. So our oldest son is adopted. Um, and that was an incredible, probably the thing that grew my faith the most is going through an adoption. Um, and then, um, yeah, each four each one of our four kids were born in four different places, <laughs> depending on where we were at the at, at the time. So um, that's an interesting thing. So our, our our kids can't say they were born in the same city, <laughs> which is unique. Um, and yeah, my journey was I wanted to stay at home with the kids as long as I could, but in because I have a call to ministry, I was also very involved in serving in the church. I stayed at home, but I worked, I had, I had to have income because when we started pastoring on our own, uh, it was a small church and the income was um, as best as it could be, but it wasn't enough to meet all of our needs. And so I, I worked in the home doing jobs um, to earn extra income to make it, uh, you know, with a larger family, it just requires a little bit more. <laughs> um, and, but yet I was still serving in the church, very involved. And at one point, um, we were looking for a kid's pastor and the board actually came to Doug and said, why don't you just hire your wife? She, she works here all the time anyway. Um, and we both said, we can do that. <laughs> And that's actually when I became a part of the staff. Um, and then when we moved from La Crosse, Wisconsin, back to Bismarck to be the lead pastor there, um, I was on staff at that church as well. And so I, I was able to get paid what I'm called to do and what I love to do. Um, and so that was a new journey for me. And then when we transitioned back to the cities, um, that's where uh, you know, I've been on staff with my husband all these years, and now what does God have for me? And so God opened the door for me to be at Cedar Valley. So my first position that I was hired for was the family life pastor overseeing our children and youth departments. Um, and then um, three years ago, I was uh, promoted to be an executive pastor over all ministry and our pastoral staff. So, um, so that's the role I currently serve in right now. Wow, <laughs> love it. It's great when you get paid for the things you like to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it makes life a, a little more joyful there. <laughs> well, you guys clearly have just extensive experience in pastoring and just being around a community, you know, of, of believers and, and leading the leadership roles. And, um, you know, one of the things that I love being able to see on social media and follow you guys is just how important family is to you. And you're always bragging about your kids and they're doing great things. And, you know, just look at what they're doing for the kingdom of God. And I think that, you know, a lot of 
a lot of parents, young parents like me see that and you're like, how do you do it? Like, how did you get to that point? And because that's the dream. You want your kids to be walking in their own faith journey. And we know it is a journey and that it's something that isn't always easy. You know, I have a lot of friends whose kids as they have, you know, that prodigal son out there that is kind of trying to figure it out on their own. And um, it's tough as parents to sit through that. So I just wanted to open up a conversation today of of that journey and what it's been like and tools and advice and, and what we can be doing, but really set the stage for us here of what has your journey been like with your kids and just raising godly kids and was it super easy, you know, no problems at all, or was there challenges sure. along the way? <laughs> Well, but I would I'll, love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, the thing that comes to my mind uh, initially when you know we adopted a little boy, um, and then it was about uh, you know a year and a half later, uh, our second son was born, and um, you know I, when you're when you're a young parent, you naturally reflect back on you know how you were parented, and both Vicky and I come from really good families. Our parents were invested into our lives, um, uh, and and I I just I take the strengths of my parents, perhaps my dad, and the idea of we wanted to make sure that we were kind of building a family culture that it you know the question is often asked like how did you you know how did you raise your kids as pastors kids because uh, in that context it, it can get challenging because they're, the kids are in church all the time and they have this, you know, huge perceived expectation they have to live up to. So I wanted to be really intentional. We want to be really intentional that our passion for our kids to love the Lord had nothing to do with the fact that dad was a pastor. Mm. It had everything to do with the fact that dad loved Jesus. Mom and dad loved Jesus. That if dad, if I was a, if I was a, you know, a, a baker uh, uh, or a candlestick maker, as the saying goes, it, regardless of what I was doing, our family was going to put Jesus first mm. and we were going to be very, very active in church. Mm. So I, I say, you know, building that culture of here's, here's what Jesus has done in our lives and here's why we're going to love him with all of our heart and really take the, you know, the title or the job that dad has kind of out of the picture. So building culture uh, was kind of the first step that I wanted to make sure our kids, you know, had that sense that we love the Lord for the right reasons. Vicki, what do you think? Yeah, th we were very intentional. And part of uh, the development of who your family becomes is you have to speak that to your children. The character that you want to see in your kids, you have to speak that to them. Um, we always used our, our last name, Grahams, R, and then we would fill in the blank with a characteristic. Um, when our kids would do something right or um, they just showed leadership in a way like, oh, man, Carly, I loved how you shook hands with Mr. Smith uh, at church today and how you looked him in the eyes and you showed him respect. And Grahams are leaders and you were a leader today when you did that. So we were intentional about using our last name in identifying who we are as people. And we made it a family thing. This is what we do. This is who we are. And when you speak that into your kids' lives, they become what you essentially 
actually tell them they are going to become. Um, and so th that speaks to the intentionality of parenting, that we don't just let day by day happen, but we intentionally shape the lives of our kids. Yeah. The other thing that comes to my mind, uh, and this does relate to being pastors, I want to make sure that our kids didn't live at the church. Uh, mm. And I say that to say I, I wanted to make sure that if they wanted to be involved in some aspect of whether it be sports or music, uh, those types of opportunities for their own personal development, that they would have every opportunity to do that. That I, was, I never wanted the church to be a reason why they couldn't participate in something that they're interested in or they're gifted in. Mm. And sometimes, con, you know, schedules conflict and, you know, we didn't, we didn't want our kids to always feel like they always had to be at the church. And we also, you know, monitored the fact that, Hey, if, if you're going to be involved in a sport, there are going to be some games that you might not get to. There might be some practices that you might not get to, or you're going to be late to. Um, and I just, you know, that's, I got saved as a high schooler. I was involved in sports and um, I just determined that I was going to make sure I was in church on Sunday and uh, if we were supposed to be somewhere prepping before a game, I was going to arrange with the coach that, you know, I just, I'm going to be in church and I'll be there as soon as I can after church. So I think we struck a really good balance, the both end approach. And um, I think it caused our kids to never feel like, man, it just stinks to be a pastor's kid uh, because I'm missing out on opportunities that my other friends get to do. So um, our kids played hockey, they played baseball. Uh, and they went on weekend road trips and I would always take my boys on their road trip and I'd have to leave them on Saturday night uh, to, so I would be home to preach and they would be brought home by, you know, good family. Um, but they were always accountable to their behavior and to their attitude towards the Lord, uh, you know, because we had that conversation. Yeah, you're going to miss church because I'm going to let you go on this, you know, this tournament trip. Um, but just know that uh, Jesus is always first. I want to make sure that you understand that you're aware of that. So I was able to, you know, help them stay accountable and develop uh, and, and make sure we were, you know, well-balanced. I really like that. I like that idea of the balance because I think I've seen both sides of the spectrum where it's, no, we will be at church every Sunday and that's that. And it's natural like then for kids to probably build up a little bit of that resentment of, you know, I can't be like my friends and do all these other things. So I, I love that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And, what are, you know, there, there were okay. times where, and even today, you know, a lot of young families, uh, church is not a part of their life, but they do go to church. And that is sports is their church. Mm -hmm. And so there were times where the kids didn't, uh, I wasn't going to let them, you know, uh, apply for or play on in any activity that would take them away from church every Sunday that mm -hmm. we, were, we were not going to go to that level. Um, and they understood that. And again, both and. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any other challenges that you guys faced with your kids? And I know, you know, I don't want to speak for your kids. Everyone's kids have their, their own faith journey and things like that. But in any moments where you're like, we're really, we're having a hard time here, you know, really leading them and guiding them in their faith. And um, we feel maybe they're, they're wandering in a direction that we're concerned about, you know, did you have any of those experiences and what were things that in conversations that you had with them to, to kind of guide them in a certain direction or, or anything? 
Yeah, well, we have four kids, so we have four stories. <laughs> I'll share two just real quick. Um, one, our daughter really struggled from fifth grade to seventh grade in she was trying to make her faith her own, and she really doubted. She really struggled with doubt to the point where she would say, I don't think God is real. Um, and we're, we're, raising her to know and love God as best we can. She's, she's a pastor's kid, you know, mm -hmm. the, the natural inclination as a parent is to say, oh, you're just, you'll get over that, or you'll get through that, or you, you know, um, yes, you do know that God is real and all of that. So we didn't take that approach at all. And instead, we just said, okay, doubts are real doubts are are real and questioning who God is and questioning if you have faith and if that is real to you is a normal process that you need to go through. Th this is part of your journey because you are trying to figure out how this works for you and your faith has to be personal at some point in your life. And so we weren't blown out of the water that she was struggling with doubt and would say, radical things like I don't think God is real I don't think he hears me he he hasn't answered my prayer on this or or whatever and instead of putting her down or demeaning her in some way by saying well you know that's just your feelings or you know Satan's putting thoughts in your head or you know anything like that we just say you know what this is a natural normal struggle that you have to go through and it's actually going to make you stronger in the end when you go through it. And I know it's really hard right now, um, but you need to ask the questions, not just of dad and I, but of, of other people you know and trust. And, and thankfully, she had an awesome youth pastor and wife who poured into her and helped her with some of her questions. Um, but I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me and just say, live the life in front of her. Let her see your faith more than ever before. So talk about how God is answering your prayers. Talk about what you are bringing before God um, and just make it a, a normal every part of, uh, of your day and pray for her because right now she's struggling to pray. So, you know, um, and she graciously allowed us to do that, to have those conversations and to pray for her in this time when she couldn't pray for herself. Um, and I just encouraged her to journal and to write down her thoughts and her doubts and her questions. And, and then just encouraged her, God is big enough. He can take it. So for you to just say, I'm not sure you're real. Prove yourself to me. Tell him, tell him to do that, you know. And um, so it was, it was a real, it was a two-year journey or maybe even a little bit longer than that, where where we just had to work that. And I think parents encouragement to parents is don't freak out about that. This is a normal process that kids have to go through if we want kids to, to make it their own and it to be real to them. Um, because some kids, quite honestly, rest on their parents' faith 
And then they get to college and then they realize their faith isn't strong at all. And that's when they go through doubt and, and then they're in trouble because they can easily be swayed some other way. I'd rather have them go through doubts and questions when they're still growing up in our home and we can still model and speak in, into their lives. So um, obviously she's a pastor today and she has a strong faith today, but it's just a part of growing up. Have you heard of the Sisterhood Leadership Retreat? Bridging the Gap believes every woman is a potential leader, and we have designed this retreat to invest in your leadership development. Whether you're an experienced marketplace ministry or community leader who is wanting to continue to grow, or you would like to begin developing skills and network as a future leader, this 24-hour event is for you. Mark your calendar and join us on February 10th and 11th at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. We'll have main sessions with authors speaker and business coach Allie Worthington and Waters Worship, multiple workshops with speakers like Portia Allen, Peggy Vogley, Tabitha Perry, and others, networking opportunities, exhibitors, and fun, all to encourage, equip, and empower your leadership potential. Some new options available this year include cozy up north activities like a guided moonlit walk, ice skating, a lakeside bonfire, a morning fireside devotion, and more. You can also sign up to get your headshots updated by a a photographer. It's going to be a power-packed, great event that you and your team won't want to miss. Register individually or as a group at mnbtg.org slash slretreat. That's mnbtg.org slash slretreat. We'll see you there. We had another son who was arrested in high school um, for stealing. And that's a whole long story <laughs> that, that we share and how we navigated that. But again, as parents, we don't freak out. We recognize that our kids have a will of their own. We can teach them right from wrong and we can guide them as best we know how, and they can still go off the rails in making their own choices. And, and sin is a very real thing that is a part of their life. And if they don't deal with their own sin or learn how to do that, they they can be taken for a ride down the wrong path. And so um, that was that ended up being a whole two and a half year journey with him before he actually got on the path he needed to get on. Um, and again, it's it's don't freak out. It's pray for your kids. Let them know you love them. Don't bail them out and don't take away their consequences, but allow them to struggle, allow the pain to be in their lives, because that's the greatest teacher. Um, and just encourage them, pray for them, love them, um, and allow God to work in their lives. So um, that's that, an, an important principle that we always try to employ in, in parenting. And I think it's, uh, it's critical and, and it's illustrated with how we handled Carly's doubts and uh, our son who got into legal trouble um, and all the other challenges. And that is the balance of letting life be a teacher, consequences being a teacher, um, and not uh, trying to solve all the problems or answer all the questions. You know, when Carly was doubting, we could we could answer all of her questions, but we had to be careful not to think that our answers were going to be sufficient to answer her questions. It's the same mm -hmm. questions, but you know, you, it it's the it's the age old you know story of. Uh, helping a little chick out of the out of the egg that's struggling to get out of the egg, and if you help the little chick out of the egg, it won't be able to fly because part of the struggle 
the, the purpose of the struggle is for the wings to be strong enough to be able to fly. So we always wanted to be, you know, not put, not allowing our kids to get in a dangerous situation that could have lifelong consequences, but at the mm-hmm. same time, letting them ride a bike and fall down and let that falling down con and issue or as be as a consequence that actually serves to teach them and help them along. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's a great reminder. You know, as parents, we have a tendency that we don't want to see our kids in pain, right? We, we don't want to see them struggle and have a hard time. So sometimes we try to just fix it for them and yes. make it better for them. But that's exactly right. Of Then where's the lesson for them? Where is the reflection and the growth that they experience? And yeah. It's so similar with our faith, their faith journey. And you know, those were amazing practical things that you can be doing. And I'm just curious, what has it been like for you and like your personal journey with God, giving up that control, giving up that, (laughs) of if I just do this, maybe he'll be okay. Or if I just do that to really say, I give my kids lives to you, you know, what has that journey been like for you guys? Well, we do that in child dedication that it really is, is what we do is we give them back to God saying, they are yours, God, I'm here to steward and to, and to do the best I can, but they're your child. And um, I think we really took that to heart that they really are God's kids more than they are our kids. And we can we can do all that we know to do, but it's really up to God to save them, redeem redeem them, show himself to them, all of those things. And so it really is staying on your knees. It really is praying. Uh, There's so many times that I didn't know what to do in the moment or how to, you know, how do I bring consequences that will impact them or steer them in the right direction? Or how do I speak into this? Because if I say this, then they're going to say that. And I just don't know, God. And it's just praying. I cannot tell you the many, 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 many times where I would just take something before the Lord and I would say, God, this is up to you. This is your child and you've placed them in my care. So you have to give me what I need to instruct them, to train them, to help them. Um, And I can tell you, God came through every single time. He would give me an idea he would speak through somebody else exactly what I needed. I would read something and it would, oh, this is, this is the path I need to take. Um, God was just there always to guide and lead. And so I think it's staying on your knees for your kid. One of the tools that I, I really, that helped when our third son was in fifth grade, he was really struggling at school and it was heartbreaking. I mean, when your kid's crying every day, I do not want to go to school. I hate school. I, my teacher doesn't like me. Um, You know, all of these things. And, and they're just about to enter the teen years. It's heartbreaking. And we couldn't figure out what the problem was or, or what was so traumatic in his life that, that he, he didn't want to go to school. And that's when I picked up Stormy O'Mardian's um, uh, The Power of a Praying Parent. And I just prayed through that book over and over for my kids. I still use that those prayers to this day, praying for my kids and my grandkids, because um, 
I didn't know how to pray. Sometimes you don't know what the blockage or the struggle is in your kid's life. You have no idea. And yes, we have, uh, you know, spirit empowerment and we pray in the spirit and that is great. But also there's power in praying the word of God over your kid. And as I've prayed those prayers over and over again, and you come back to a prayer, it's like, oh, God answered that. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at how God worked in that situation. And it just, it gives you words to pray over your kids. So that, that's been very powerful in our lives in that God, in that incident with our third son, God revealed what was happening. Um, he just gave us insight and we were able to ask the right question. And it's like a light bulb went on and it's like, oh, that's what's happening. That's what's holding him back. And once we got to the bottom of that, then he was okay. And we were able to work it out with the teacher and the classroom and he was okay. But it was months of struggle of, of tears and pain. And, oh man, you just want to rescue him and say, forget this. Let's just homeschool him or whatever. <laughs> we didn't, um, you know, and God, God helped him and he became stronger because of the struggle. So yeah, <laughs> that's so good. Any thoughts on that, Doug, of just, you know, maybe well, I, your journey? I, um, uh, I was thinking that, you know, the struggle to let go, let, 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 let this thing play its course, you know, let it play out. We'll always be there. And it always, you know, if, if there's like a crash and burn situation, that's not life threatening, but you could go in there and rescue it. It just sets a pattern for um, for an outcome that we might be able to create in terms of circumstances, but but we're we always wanted the outcome of character and integrity and resilience, and that stuff only comes when you have fallen off your bike and you're you're a little bloodied up. You know, parents that just don't want any kind of pain to come from their children are, are raising their children under the idea that the, the most important goal is I want my kid to be happy. Mm. Well, happiness is fine, but our kids need more than happiness. They need character. They need resilience. Yeah. They need inner abilities to, to solve their problems. Vicki could probably tell you a lot of stories because she's a farm girl stories that she's told me where her dad said, I want you to get on this tractor and I want you to go out there in that field and, well, dad, I've never driven the tractor. Well, figure it out. You've seen me drive it. And you've got all kinds of stories about that, don't you, dear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> do. <laughs> you know, so it's so parenting is is all about helping set our kids up to be able to solve their problems. And it's like a math book that has all the answers in the back of the book. Those answers are not there to get the correct answer. They're to confirm that you've got the right answer, mm. you know, by working the formula. So as parents you know, we do have all the answers, but that it, it's about helping our children be able to work through the pains of life. And it's, it's when they're crying, it's when they're heartbroken, it's when they made a mistake and they're remorseful that their heart is so tender to be taught as opposed to mm-hmm. assuming that they've got all the answers or mom or dad will always give them the answers. They're not teachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also going back to what you guys were talking about earlier and modeling that and just as a a parent modeling that times are hard and we do go through challenges and, 
And, you know, we don't want to overshare to our kids, obviously, depending on where they're at and developmental and age level. But just even explaining like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time with this, too. And this is how I bring it to God. This is what my prayer life looks like to show that, you, you know, you're not on your own in this and that we all go through these hard seasons. Yes. And I think it's, you know, God had to remind me of, I love this child more than you do, McKelty. Like, (laughs) and talking about what you were saying, Vicki, of, you know, dedicating our kids to God and like, this is your kid and reminding me of that, of like, that's right. This is, this is a child of God too. And he had to remind me of that when I had moments of so much fear and, you know, my son had to be hospitalized for a few times and just for getting sick and those moments of panic. And as parent, we want to control, we want to figure it out. Like, what can I do to make this better? But God's up there like, Hey, <laughs> you know, well, I'm an all powerful being. I can help yeah. too. And, and another story comes to mind that, you know, in the early years when the kids are all at home and you're trying to implement these this balance of not over-controlling. A lot of the over-controlling of parenting is the result of parents that are really insecure and they're struggling mm-hmm. to trust God. Um, we, were awoke, we were awakened in the middle of the night uh, by a phone call from, um, from someone at North Central. When one of our kids was at North Central, we we're hundreds of miles away uh, and RA called us to inform us that our son was being taken to the emergency room. He was a student here and they assumed he was having an issue with his appendix. Hmm. And so, okay, that's kind of a common thing. They'll get him to the hospital. We know HCMC is just across the street and, you know, and we're, we're worried and we're nervous, but you know, we, we can't do anything. And we know probably in the morning we're going to get up and, you know, drive to Minneapolis, perhaps. Maybe it's not the appendix. We'll wait and see. Well, later that morning, we get a call back and it's not the appendix. He's got a constricted ureter. He's not able to release his urine because uh, his ureter is constricted. There's a kink in his in his ureter that required major surgery. Uh so I say that to say, even in that situation, we, we had been learning how to trust God, learning, uh, you know, in those more inconsequential situations to just give it to the Lord. Let's let it play out. And God pulls through. And in a situation where you can't even be there, you can, it could drive you crazy. You can re- but the Lord gave us confidence uh, to trust that he's with our son and Everything turned out okay. Everything turned out fine, but it re- did require major surgery. Um, but again, we were prepared uh, because we'd been trusting God with our kids in different ways leading up to something significant like that. Yeah, yeah. If your faith gets shown hardcore in those moments when yeah. your kids are are yeah. going through something. You know, yeah. what encouragement do you have for that parent who currently is walking? through a, you know, a prodigal son season where the season where their child has, you know, just rejected God maybe, or, um, it's just, I rejecting you and their family or something along those lines and just completely walked away. And they might just be feeling really discouraged. Mm -hmm. I think the greatest thing that a parent can do is to love their kids unconditionally. And the only way you can do that is to have the love of 
of Jesus in you. In other words, you have to be so saturated with the love of Jesus yourself that you can actually emulate that to your child. Because unconditional love says, I don't care what you're into. I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you're showing me. I don't care, uh, you know, what's coming out of your mouth. I care about you as a person and that you're precious, you're valuable, that you are worthy. Um, and so I'm going to love you no matter what you show to me, no matter what you say to me, no matter what you uh, declare, I'm going to love you. I'm just going to love you. And uh, that honestly can be the the greatest bridge to help them overcome some of their their trials their situation that doesn't mean you agree with them mm -hmm. it, and it doesn't mean that you take on whatever they're taking on um, you can still have a firm boundary and still love them um, and we've had to journey through that when our son was arrested that you know I said, I love you no matter what. And if you choose to continue down this path, you will end up in prison without a doubt. And I will love you and I will come and visit you in prison, but I'll never bail you out and I'll never get you off the hook. And you're, you have consequences for choices and decisions you're making in life. And those you have to own. I can't, I can't own those decisions for you. And I, and I certainly won't take those consequences away from you um, because life has consequences and you do the wrong thing. You're going to get consequences, mm -hmm. um, but I can love you. I can love you. That's, that's the assignment God gave to me that, you know, if we are to love our enemies as we love ourselves, I, I, our children aren't our enemies, but sometimes it can feel that way when they've rejected everything you've taught them and they've walked away, um, it feels like they're your enemy. But God says to love them, love your enemies as you love yourself. Well, the only way we can do that is to have the love of Jesus in us. And so we can verbally love them. We can physically love them. We can, um, you know, show them in every way we know how that we, we love and care for them because that's what Jesus himself would do. I think it's also important that uh, in in the season of, of a prodigal that you really be careful to not let your theology get twisted mm. because some parents who have been praying and they feel like they've done everything they've known to do and a child can be raised in a perfectly healthy, wonderful, loving, godly environment and still make bad choices and uh, you want to just be careful that you, your your theology of God doesn't get twisted in the form of, well, God, I prayed that Proverbs passage, train up a, ch a child in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart. Just you got to remember that the Proverbs are not, they're not promises as much as they are principles. Hmm. They're principles that, that we build our life upon um, and, and children still have a free will. And it could be that that principle will come true that when they're older, they come back. And of course we hate that idea. We don't want, we don't want to wait till they're older to come back. We want them to come back now, mm -hmm. which then just speaks to what Vicki was saying. Make sure your prayer life is strong. Your love for Jesus is deep so that you are able to trust that God is working on your behalf, on behalf of the child. He hasn't given up on that child. You don't want to give up on that child. And the way we 
show that we haven't given up on them is by loving them and, mm-hmm. and st- keeping the relational connection attached as much as possible. Some prodigals don't want to have anything to do with us as parents. And, and we just want to make sure that we're not doing anything to like magnify that bridge or, or exacerbate that separation that currently exists with a prodigal son or daughter. We want to look for every opportunity to still stay attached by praying for them, uh, you know, sending a note, sending a text, sending a birthday card, whatever the case may be, just be, be the, the love of Jesus to them uh, by being that loving parent, regardless of how far away from God or in the family they are. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. It, you know, you guys have just given so much helpful and practical and encouraging tools and advice for parents in any stage. And just before we wrap up here, are there any other pieces of advice that you're like, I want to make sure I say that or anything along those lines, just to encourage parents, you know, maybe of young kids who are really wanting to set that foundation of making sure that their house is this godly home and uh, creating that environment. Um, But just any final pieces of advice. I'll, I'll give one piece of advice uh, as we close here. Something that we did when we were young parents is we, uh, regardless of what church we were at, we looked for a family that was a little bit further down the road than we were, that were doing it really well. Uh, not perfectly, there isn't a perfect family, but you, you just would catch a family doing certain things that said that that's special. How, how did that, how did that, how did those parents do that with those children? And, and so we always were looking for those families to be models, role models for us. And there were a couple of families in particular that we actually didn't just watch, but we actually reached out to them and said, Hey, we are watching you. And could we build a friendship and, and just hang out with your family once in a while. And, and just be able to more firsthand see how, how you're doing discipline, how you're doing just the development of responsibility in the lives of, of children uh, in, in the family. And so that's, that's an easy piece of advice that, that anybody can do if you're involved in a local church. Look for a family that uh, could be a, a mentor couple family for you guys. Yeah, I would, I would just quickly say... Um, Never stop growing. <laughs> Don't think that you know it all as a parent because every, every child is unique and different. Even your own children, everyone will be so, what motivates one doesn't motivate another. What instruction works with one doesn't work for the other. I mean, it, it's puzzling. <laughs> so I would encourage parents, never think that you know it all, but always be willing to grow. Mm-hmm. So listen to podcasts, listen to, read books, um, just continue your growing experience in the parenting area. Um, I think it's when parents think that they know it all based on, well, I was parented and I know my parents did a good job with me. And and so it's just going to come naturally is often a disillusionment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, it doesn't, it, you know, you, you're going to run into problems that are going to stump you, that are going to frustrate you, that are going to like, I do not know what to do in this situation. So never stop learning, always continue the learning process. Yeah. 
those are great final pieces of advice. So, and I, like I said, I'm taking notes over here too, but (laughs) thank you guys so much just for being willing to really minister to people here that are listening today and give that encouragement and being the champions before us that are um, just showing that, Hey, this is what we did that worked well. This maybe didn't go so well, but we're learning. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We were honored to hear from Pastors Doug and Vicki Graham on Raising Your Kids to Know Jesus. You can learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following MNBTG on social media. We also invite you to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast. 